What's up, Mire? Hey, Fede, how are you? Good, and you? I could be better. I have a long week ahead. I have a big presentation this week. Well, you know, want to hear something that's going to cheer you up? Yes, please. So I get a text message a couple days ago. And he's a Boteco listener. He's a Boteco listener. So he's a Boteco human. A Boteco human. We love to hear it. Okay. He happens to be in Miami. Okay. And he says, Fede, Mire has a pretty cool hinge profile. <laughs> what? Wait, 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 wait. Who is this? What's his name? Tell me all the info. I, I say the sin, not the sinner. But I will say that he was very complimentary of your profile. So thumbs up for you. He doesn't live in Miami, so he's... I'm very flattered. But just so, just so you know, you you have a strong profile, according to... Wow, okay. I have to say that recently, I was going through my profile with my mom. She requested to see it, and she had to swap a lot of pictures because she said they weren't approved, so... Really? Why is that? What, what was feedback from mom? What was feedback from mom? She just thought those weren't the best looking photos of me. So she suggested new ones that apparently are doing well. <laughs> are they? How are the metrics? How are they performing? <laughs> I mean, actually, so funny story. Um, I'm going to Australia for my cousin Danny's wedding next week. Um, and I decided to put my hinge on in Sydney so I could just like test out the waters. I wanted to see the likes from the Australian men. And actually, there's a lot of fun content there. A lot of animals. I saw some kangaroos. I saw- On the hinge profile. Kangaroos on the hinge profile. Literally on their hinge photos. Badass, badass. Very badass. And they're also <laughs> very- Australian. <laughs> they literally, out of like 30, match, 30 matches, five of them or 10 of them answered me right away. And we're like, hi, how are you? How's your weekend? What yoga did you practice? A lot of engagement. So honestly, Solid. Australians. Solid numbers, great hit rate. Go meet it, killing it. I'm sure okay. you're going to do great things in Australia. Meanwhile, yes. um, I say we move on to episode five. What do Let's you think? Let's do it. So I'm actually, I'm excited for this episode. This is a totally unscripted episode. So it's going to be very raw. Hopefully it works out. I told Mire to just bring a lot of questions because we will aim to understand your risk profile. So in the prior episode, episode three, we talked about the correlations of our day-to-day -day lives in, in risk-taking and how we can translate that into investing. So I thought that the next step would be to dive deeper into that point and really understand what your risk profile means in terms of co constructing your portfolio and doing what is called asset allocation. Okay. okay. So we're going to do a little, a fun exercise. Okay. Because we're going to do a role play. So when I was at JP Morgan, I used to do this exercise all the time with any prospect or any client that I would have. The questions were slightly different because their circumstance was <laughs> a little bit different than yours. Okay. So bear with me because I am very raw. I haven't done this in several years, but I will do my best to make it as a financial advisory as possible. 
Should we give the said. disclaimer? Should we give the disclaimer? Ah, yes, the disclaimer. Um, I should have given the disclaimer in the prior episode. I'll do it now, and maybe it'll work for every future episode. Anything that I say is not investment advice. It is just my opinion. So take it with a grain of salt or lots of salt. Drop the mic. Okay. Exactly. All right, let's get into it. You ready, Mirela? Let's hear those questions. Hi, Mirela. How are you? Um, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Thank you for your time today. I understand that we have around 15 to 20 minutes. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Good. Perfect. So for today, Mirela, what I really want to understand is one, just get a better idea of kind of your financial position. What are your short-term and long-term goals? What is your liquidity currently, like your sources of income, just to just get a better understanding of, of where you are in, in terms of your finances. And then two, I want to just explain what are some different types of portfolios, what are the different types of allocations, so that you can get more comfortable understanding kind of the risk that comes with these different types of asset allocations. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Can we start by explaining what you mean by asset allocation before we go into the questions? No. Absolutely. And then please, if you have any questions along the way, feel free to just stop me and just ask them and I'll be more than happy to clarify. Is that, that sound good? Sounds great. It's giving financial fede. Perfect. So <laughs> you, your first question about what is asset allocation. Right. In, when you construct a portfolio for your investments, you have to keep in mind a what percentage will be allocated into different asset classes, okay? There are, there are three main asset classes. One, you have equities, mm -hmm. which represents a ownership in a company. So that's kind of the most, when people talk about investing, what usually comes to mind first is equities because it's kind of when you hear, I don't know, a family member say, oh, I bought, stock in Apple or whatever, Facebook or whatever company you might think about. And in your case, for example, I believe you work at Spotify. Is that correct? Yes. So you might be compensated. And it's actually a topic that I want to get into later in the form of either restricted stock units or options in the company. So that means that you are a shareholder of Spotify and that's what's meant by equities, right? So that's the first asset class. It is the one that traditionally has the highest returns, but it also means that it has the most volatility. Mm -hmm. And I'll that's get into- Risky. Correct. And I'll get into what is volatility and I'll put it into numbers in, so we can better understand what that means. Okay. The second asset class is fixed income, mm -hmm. which is a, usually you have, you basically make, a loan or provide debt to anywhere from a financial institution to a government in exchange for interest over that principal or that amount that you lent over with the promise that you will get that principal or that investment back. So traditionally, so think about, you can lend government to say, you can lend money to say the US government. So the US government, when it needs to finance its operations, right, they need to issue debt which is called, in this case, treasuries. So when they issue treasuries, what do you do? You buy X amount of treasuries, you get a what's called a coupon, which is just basically interest over that principal. 
And then after X amount of years, or depending when is the maturity of that instrument, you'll get back your principal. So traditionally, fixed income is less risky, okay, a, because it, ha it has lower returns. And in, so call it the capital structure of an entity, it is usually what's considered more senior, meaning if you have fixed income in, say, in a company, right, say Apple, for example, issues debt, if Apple were to go bankrupt, and what whom would get paid back first would be debt holders. And then whatever residual values left over would go to equity shareholders. Does that make sense? Kind of. Would okay. you would I would I do that though? Would you do what? I'm sorry. Would I like invest in that way? So yes. So I think. So we're going to get into the different type of portfolios and what might be more appropriate based on your age and your risk tolerance. But when you think of general asset allocation and portfolio construction, you would think of it in terms of equity and fixed income. The third a bracket, the third kind of bracket, call it the third asset class that I wanted to mention would be what's considered alternative investments. Now, this is, I would say, I want to focus less on this. Oftentimes, portfolios don't have access to alternative investments. Usually these are reserved for more high net worth individuals and they have kind of more esoteric products that are kind of derivatives or from traditional equity and fixed income. So I think for the purpose of this episode, we're just not going to mention alternatives and we're just going to focus on a portfolio of equities and fixed income, which is what you probably have access to currently through your investments, meaning your 401k, a, your your options and, and stock units in Spotify. And, and then when you open an investment account or a brokerage account, and they're the same thing, you can, these these are expressed interchangeably, and you will have access to, to these type of, of asset classes. Okay. Where would mutual funds fall in? So mutual funds, they are made up of these asset classes. So for example, you have different, there have, you have mutual funds mm -hmm. that are um, equity only, right? So they will be invested. You will basically de delegate your money or deposit your money into these mutual funds. They have a manager and they will invest it in different, it can be stock, it can be ETFs, it can really be anything. Um, but there's also mutual funds, for example, that will have both equity and fixed income, right? So a mutual fund is a vehicle, not an asset class. In the end, when you decide to invest that money, it will fall into equity or fixed income. Gotcha. Okay. So those are the main... So when I when I mention asset allocation, and you're going to hear that a lot through this conversation, and we're going to think about, okay, what percentage should I put into equities? What percentage I should put into alternatives? And, I'm sorry, into fixed well, income. Okay. Fixed Correct. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Perfect. So first I wanted to understand a little bit more about you. Can you just tell me and what you do currently? What are your kind of short-term liquidity needs? And how are you compensated currently? And just to get a better idea of, of you. Okay. Um... And I'm sorry, do you mind if I just write this down so I can just keep track of everything you're saying. No. Can't tell if you're being serious or not. You're being serious. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, about me, let's see. Um, I currently live in Miami. I've been living in Miami for the past five years, um, and I've been working at Spotify for the past five years. Amazing company. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, I get a salary, a yearly salary. And also I have a mix of options and stocks for Spotify specifically, which honestly are not doing that well. Um, it's grown, but you know, it could be better. And also what else? I have a 401k account as well, which I looked at yesterday for the first time in a while. And I'm very impressed. I always kind of forget it, that it exists. Um, and what else? What else did you ask me? Do you have any other um, investments accounts? I do have an investment account um, and my money in that investment account is invested in mutual funds in two different mutual funds, which I'm going to butcher the name. Um, okay. Janice, Janice Henderson, something. Yeah. That's a great Vertus, Vertus income, something. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those, so those are, those managers are pretty well known. So those, those, I mean, I don't know how they've performed or what they have in it, but they're pretty renowned asset managers yeah. that's good news that's good news i'm like winning so far okay, that's, um, good. that's good yeah it, yeah, yeah. short-term liquidity needs it, is there anything that you think it's necessary to provision for is there any major life event in the short term that we have to consider because from what i can see and you work a very stable corporate job which is great and you have different forms of compensation it's not only salary but you have a, a mix of options and, and restricted stock units. You have your 401k. Do you max out the contribution on your 401k? I think I do, but I think I need to double check that. Okay, let's let's write that down so we can discuss it in the next meeting. So you, you'll make in contributions to your 401k and oftentimes these big companies will match them up to a certain percentage. It's right. which is free money. So you have to make yeah. sure that you're maxing out your, your 401k. I thought I was maxing out up to 6%, but I like looking at my account earlier, I was like, hmm, maybe not. So, yeah. Right. Um, all right. So, and, and I'm sorry, but in terms of short-term needs, is there anything that I should maybe keep in mind that you might need to plan for? Um, anything, medical expense, big life move? Nothing as of right now. Okay. So no major liquidity needs. No. Um, obviously you're in your prime working years so i think with this information we we can kind of get started do you know by any chance what percentage is of your wealth is divided in between these mutual funds and what percentage is in your 401k yeah. and i kind of did the math i did the math prior to this episode so um okay so most of my net worth i guess is that how you would describe it worth um it's in my investment account so it's about 45 percent okay. um i have about 36 percent on my 401k and then okay. i have my rainy day fund which we all should have after listening to episode three that's about 10 percent of uh, my total net worth and then i have a little money on my capital one, which I should probably move somewhere, but that's about 4%. And then my Spotify stock is about 4% as well. Okay. 
Okay. And then, so this seems to be well distributed. Do you know how these mutual funds in your investment account, what's that allocation within them? Is it all equity? Is it have both equity and fixed income? Do you know that? Like what are the underlying assets in these mutual funds? I do not know, but we can find out. Okay. And then I would do the same thing for the 401k. So my guess is they're invested in what's called like a target fund mm -hmm. based on when you will look to retire. And I would assume it's something around like 2055 target fund. Uh, but if you can get that information and we can discuss it later, I think that would be great. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Great. Awesome. So I think with this, we can dive a little bit deeper because, and the reason I'm asking this Mirela is because I want to understand what is your current exposure. So how much of these vehicles are invested in equities and fixed income. And I think you'll, I'll, I'll be able to explain this a little bit better in right now. So portfolios, there are basically three types of portfolios, right? There is a conservative portfolio, a balanced portfolio and growth portfolio. And what this means is the percentages that are invested in these different asset classes changes in, in between these different type of portfolios because they have different risk profile and they have a different return profile. Where, so where does say I fall based on the percentages I gave you? So it's difficult because I don't know what are the underlying assets from what you gave me, but based on your age and and what I assume you have, you probably fall under the growth, a, under a growth portfolio, anywhere between a balance and a growth portfolio. And what does that mean? A conservative portfolio has 65%, call it 65% fixed income and 35% equity. Hmm. A balanced portfolio has 55% equity and 45% fixed income. So notice how as it becomes riskier, you're adding more equities, but your potential return is going to be higher. Yeah. And then a growth portfolio will have around 75% equities and 25% fixed income. So this growth portfolio has the long, the largest long-term returns and also the largest long-term volatility. Why do I say that you fall somewhere between balanced and growth? Is because at your age, you can afford to assume more volatility. You can take on more risk and play for longer returns. Now, if you were to tell me that you're retired and you're 80 years old, right, you probably have more of a need for this, for maybe you're not working. So let's assume you're not working or maybe you're not having an income. So you probably you need your portfolio to be a little bit more steady, provide lower returns and because, I mean, you have less income to live. Yeah, less income. Well, less I have a question for you. Let's say I am like a balanced or growth uh, portfolio, would you recommend having like a target number to reach? How would you organize yourself? Right? Like, I think I've had these accounts. I had the investment account for about a year and a half or two years, and I've been saving up for a few years, but I've never had like a financial goal in mind. Like I want to get to this number. Would you recommend having that and building that so that I can like maybe differentiate, move around my assets? Absolutely. So I think when we define your risk profile, um, there's a target percentage that you want to have in equities and that you want to have in fixed income. So depending on where you are right now, 
we might want to consider making adjustments so that you end up with a percent that correct portfolio location. Now, it's never going to be perfect because, for example, your your allocation will change just by way of how these assets might appreciate or depreciate in value. So you're consistently trying to adjust for that. But you kind of want to have in like within like a ballpark, like like plus minus, call it five to ten percent into these assets, like into these percentages. Now, I I mentioned return and volatility, and this is very important to understand because depending on how you feel about this, and will will kind of will allow us to define what's your risk profile. So, when when I was at JP Morgan, we used to have and something called a maps analysis. And it took decades and decades of data and analyze and based on what were called long-term capital market assumptions, in which basically a group of really smart people just got together in a room and analyzed a lot of data and decided what different types of asset classes invested in different, call it regions, uh, would return. And from that, you could kind of define, all right, what could be an expected long-term return and what could be an expected long-term volatility. So in the case of a balanced portfolio, you can expect somewhere around 7%, call it return on an annual basis. Um, and then a conservative portfolio would be lower than that, call it 6%. And then a growth portfolio would be higher than the balanced portfolio and give you, call it around 8%. So that's that kind depends of what, on many things, right? Like what are some of the factors that can impact that return? So that's that assumes a long-term return over an economic cycle. And so that, yeah, I mean, obviously there will be downturns. There is volatility around it. So it does not mean that every year you're going to be guaranteed that return, but that's what you can expect over the long-term, which leads me to my second point around volatility. So there, oh, this is an. Before you go into that, right? Like when you're talking long term, are you saying a year? Or are you saying like five, ten years ahead? It assumes an economics. If I'm not mistaken, it assumes an economic cycle. So call it eight to ten years. I mean, okay. this past economic cycle was a lot longer than what traditional economic cycles were. Um, but yeah, you can expect it to be over eight to ten years. Call it. Okay. I gotta refresh that, but that's safe to say. Uh, so then the second point around long-term volatility, it's super important to understand, right? So oftentimes volatility is expressed as a percentage. And what that means is there's a one standard deviation chance, okay? So it's one standard deviation is 68%, right? So there's a 68% chance that your returns will deviate X percentage from that expected return. Okay, so if I let's go percent chance, you're saying, right, there's a 68% chance that it will deviate, but it could be for the best or for the worst. Exactly, exactly. So for example, let's take that balance portfolio. We said that the expected long term return is 7%. Mm -hmm. The volatility can be call it closer to 10%. Right. So there is a 68% chance that your returns will be plus minus 10% from that number. Okay. And furthermore, what does that mean in terms of potential loss? I always like to think in, all right, what is kind of downside scenarios? So that you can really understand what it means and just really get comfortable with 
with kind of the potential downside. So in the case of a balanced portfolio, right? In, in any year, there's a 5% chance that your returns are worse than call it around 8% on a balanced portfolio. So I ask you, is that a risk that you feel comfortable with? Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Now that doesn't mean obviously there have been years when they are a lot worse, right? So for example, a balanced portfolio has had kind of three months return of negative 20% when you think back to 08. That being said, that same balanced portfolio and like the best three months period has also returned you in close to 17%. So that's when, when I mean about volatility, obviously, and we have kind of like this number that 7% return number that I mentioned, but you, there is this version and you just have to be comfortable with that. Well, that's why, um, I guess a follow-up question slash comment, right? Like you talk a lot about long-term investment, because let's say I needed this money for something right now to buy a house, for instance, yep. would it be worth, let's say next year I want to buy a house. Like, would you, would you recommend keeping a balanced portfolio, a growth portfolio, or a more conservative one, knowing that like, you're likely going to need that money. So the risk that you're going to lose is almost higher because you're going to have to take the money out of the fund. That's a great question. And I think that's why when I initially asked you if there are any short-term events that might require liquidity, that was exactly why I was asking it. Because if you do have to dial up or down your risk tolerance based on something that might happen in the short term, it's perfectly normal and you can adjust accordingly. So if you were to make a big investment at home and you do need to preserve more liquidity and prevent any potential downturn, then maybe it does make sense to kind of do a balanced portfolio in which you have more fixed income and pre yeah. be prepared for that event. Because yeah. for example, in 2022, the portfolios that did the worst were probably were, were growth portfolios because they had the more risk. But now in 2023, these are the ones that are performing the best. So it's one of those things that investing is much more about um, having the right asset allocation for the long term, and then you can just adjust, you can adjust accordingly depending on your circumstance. Okay. Um, so, Mira, so one thing I I did want to understand. So I think you told me you felt comfortable with that balanced portfolio. I want to just kind of go into a growth portfolio because I think it's probably more appropriate for again your age, your risk tolerance, and I just want to make sure that you feel comfortable with that. If I do the same exercise that we just did for a balanced portfolio in terms of a 5% chance that you have returns worse than X. In the case of a growth portfolio, that means 11%, okay? And then a growth portfolio in its worst years, right? Probably lost you north of 20%, but then in its best years, it also made you north of 20%, okay? So it, again, it's one of those things that if you can hold on for the long-term, stocks and equity, outperform fixed income over the long run and you will stay to gain more but in any given year there could be more volatility and that could that would imply um, drawdowns right or more losses okay is that something you feel comfortable with think so i All think right. so. do you feel comfortable with that i think based on your age and what you described that would be what i think is best but again if that changes if your circumstance change 
and we need to adjust it to be a little bit more conservative, that's perfectly fine as well. Yeah. I guess the question that I have is like, well, I have many questions, but to make it easier, the one of the questions is like, what is the best way? Like knowing that, you know, okay, let's say I am going to follow with a growth portfolio. What is the best way to make the money work for me? What can, what should I be doing? Or how do I even like go about investing or changing my investment portfolio or way? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question, Mire. Um, so making this money work for you is about just staying invested, right? So the biggest hazard to making returns long-term is panicking or selling when the market's at the bottom. So it's very much just staying invested. And then I think being able to stay invested has to do with understanding what's your risk, your correct risk tolerance. So you don't have any unnecessary changes that might incline you to do something that is probably not the best for you. And so I would say that, and then also, I'm sorry, I, I want to be conscious of your time. I know you say you only have like 20 minutes. And I think we're a little past that time. And if you have any questions, I think we can probably just schedule another meeting so we can throw through those other questions. I think I, I gave you a little bit of homework that might help just um, go a little bit deeper into these questions, but I am very happy in that I think we wrap this meeting up by just pinning down what is the type of portfolio that works for you, right? I think we're going for that growth portfolio that is um, heavily tilted to equities versus fixed income. And then I think on our next meeting, once we have all this information, we can just make sure that your current investments and future investments are aligned with this strategy. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Now I'm and curious though, what type of investment portfolio do you have? I have a, so I have a growth portfolio. I have a super growth portfolio. So hundred percent of my, of my net worth is invested in equities. hundred. hundred. Yeah. So again, but I, I'm very much aware of that, what that means in terms of volatility. And I look into it every day. So that's not necessarily my recommendation, right. but it works for me. And in the end, you're going to do what works for you. For sure. Amazing. So why don't we wrap up this meeting? Let's go through some just quick action items. Okay. And, and then we can just see, we can just schedule for some, for another meeting at some other time. Nice. So do you, are, are there any key takeaways or action items that you would want to highlight? Okay. Key takeaway number one, super important to understand your risk tolerance, or in this case, my risk tolerance and how comfortable I am with the potential losses based on my risk profile. Uh, takeaway number two, takeaway number two, also important to understand what, in, what your investment profile is where is your money? How is it invested? And really get comfortable with that as well. So that when you do decide what type of portfolio you want to have, whether it be the growth portfolio, the balanced portfolio, or the conservative portfolio, you can make the necessary changes and adjustments so that you can grow as much as you want to, or as much as you plan for. That's perfect. I think those are the two key takeaways. Um, and then we can look into dive dive deeper into these in the next episode. But until then, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Media, for being so open and great in this exercise. I hope it was useful. You can follow us on Boteco Talks and on Instagram. Please rate this podcast on whichever medium you're listening to this. And then we'll see you next time. Saoji. Saoji.
Ahora, chao, chao. Oh,